0: Hola, mi gente. Feliz Año Nuevo. It's your girl, dalice Jasmine, back at it con Latino. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to 2021. And welcome to a whole new set of amazing guests and stories. Today's guest is known as Latina Powerpuff, but in this episode, you'll get to know la jefa behind the name, Jimena Martinez, a first-generation Mexican-American from the Central Valley who is currently pursuing her Ph.D. in higher education. She talks about being a first-gen college student, taking a break from higher education, And creating Latina PowerPuff to encourage women and girls from underrepresented backgrounds to pursue STEM degrees and careers. Gracias, Mena, for sharing your story. For all of y'all listening, enjoy this conversation. We're going to start recording. Well, I'm super excited to have you, girl. I have heard, you know, it's funny. Before Bridget introduced us, I have heard about the Latina Powerpuff before. And I was like, wait, this is Jimena. Like I I know I put the dots <laughs> together. Um, but girl, your brand is out there and you know, like it's been really cool following you and following your journey and how open you are about your advocacy, what you're passionate about. So I just wanted to give you a props and really happy that you're on you. Hella Latino.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah, I'm really excited to be on your podcast. I know um, I listened to just the intro and even just the intro got me really pumped up to, to be on here with you.
0: Yes, I'm excited to learn more about you. So let's start with the first question and that's how do you identify and why?
2: How do I identify? Well, from my at name, Latina Power path. I definitely <laughs> I definitely identify as Latina. And I think that's an identity I started to understand more as I got older, even you know, going through college, a lot of different experiences um, helped me understand what that means. And of course, it's not a perfect identifying term. N- none are but um, I think it's a way that I've come closer to my culture and um, just learning more. And so uh, when I made the decision to kind of change that to be my social media name is also when I was just starting to be more comfortable with really owning that part about me because I think growing up, um, you know, the way that I did, it wasn't always celebrated or it was othered, you know, I was trying to assimilate. Um, And just as a child, you know, you don't even really know what that means. But um, yeah, that's definitely how I identify. I identify as, you know, first generation Mexican-American. So I would say those are the two big ones.
0: What do you think were, you know, the top experiences that led you to start identifying as Latina? Because you're really, you're you're right. I mean, a lot of the first gen struggle is we're taught to assimilate because that's what our parents are trying to do, right? And Mm -hmm. so what were some of those experiences in your, you know, in your life that led you to be proud of being a Latina?
2: First of all, learning more, not just about my own heritage, but about like Latinidad as you say in in general and how diverse it is. I think it's important for me as a Mexican-American to recognize that um, the Mexican experience in the United States is often centered which leaves out like, you know, other Latinos. And I, um, just the more and more that I learned and started being vocal um, after college, definitely once I started to get my foot into the workforce um, I just recognize how important it was to be vocal um and to not, you know, assimilate, to be proud and um, to really put my story out there for for others who needed somebody to um, connect with, because I think I often didn't feel that way with um, like who I saw in the media as being celebrated, or, you know, it was always like the Latina stereotypes. So um, girl. All yes. the stereotypes. <laughs> yeah, all the stereotypes. That's
0: something that I I always like think about too. I'm like, we really grow up with these stereotypes of what Latinas are, right? And it's either, in my opinion, I, I'd love to hear what you think, but in my opinion, I would always see Latinas as either over sexualized or mm. I would see them as hella loud and you know, like like dramatic. And I'm like, those are the only two options. Like <laughs>
2: Yeah, it would be that or it would be like the service, you know, no speaking, mm-hmm. like they would just be like the humble servant, you know, that didn't really take up any space and didn't really have like depth to their character, which is like there's so much to um like being a Latina, being Latino, Latinx that um I think now we're just finally starting to see a lot more representation and a lot more depth in characters and that's really being recognized how much diversity there is. Like, we're not all the same. We don't all speak Spanish. We're not all from, like, the same types of, you know, we don't eat the same food. Like, there are a lot of similarities that kind of weave us together um, in our experiences, but it's it's just so many differences to be celebrated, really. Yeah,
0: exactly. And one of the things that, you know, it was interesting being in in San Diego because I grew up here and I was born and raised here, And one of the things that people would assume of Latinas, of Latinos, was that we all love spicy food. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And it's so funny because I learned how to eat spicy food because my dad, he actually lived in Mexico for for a couple years because he was, you know, the immigration story is complicated, but he immigrated from Mm -hmm. Honduras, which you have to go through like Guatemala, you have to go through Mexico, obviously to get to the United States. The way that he came right and so for him he stayed in in Mexico because something happened and he just like ended up staying but he had to learn how to assimilate to Mexican culture so he started eating really spicy food and he tells me his first experience (laughs) is eating spicy food he was like oh my god it was the worst thing because Hondurans don't eat spicy food like (laughs) that And so he taught me how to eat spicy food since I was a kid. So and then, you know, obviously being in San Diego, being around a lot of Mexican culture, you know, it was really normal. Mm -hmm. But the rest of my family looks at us like we're crazy. They're like, we don't understand you. Like, (laughs) why would you eat spicy food like that? But it's really funny because, again, it's those little small differences where people are like, people don't know and again i don't blame them it's not it's Mm -hmm. not their fault it's it's part of the education that has been lacking in media in school and all of those different areas but yeah i mean that's a great point to bring up
2: for sure and speaking of education that's one of my big passion areas and i do think it's um important for the health of and you know mental development of kids to See themselves and their culture reflected in what they read and what they see. So I'm glad that there's more movements towards that.
0: Before we get into your story and your passion for education and, and all of that, which I'm really excited to learn about, let's start from the beginning. Let's talk about your parents' immigration story, or if it's your grandparents, whatever that may be, um, or maybe if it's your story, but let's talk about the beginning, your your family's immigration story, and then we'll kind of go into your story.
2: So, my parents came to the United States separately. They were each really young and they came to work. You know, um, my dad is from Guanajuato and he came here to work when he was about 12, 13, really young. Um, And then, similar with my mom, she came because she wanted to try to pursue an education and that didn't, you know, it didn't end up manifesting. But she did also want to work to help support her family. She came from Nayarit. Also, at a young age, maybe 16, 17. So, they just left everything that they knew, you know, their families, their friends, their entire lives to try to to establish themselves here. Um, And so, they ended up both uh, being around like the Santa Cruz area and meeting there. And so that's really where I grew up, is around Watsonville, Santa Cruz, and we bounced around and, and moved around a lot because um, my dad being a, uh, a farm worker had to always go, you know, where the harvest was going. And then mm-hmm. similarly, my mom being a cannery uh, worker, she um, also had to do the same thing. So it was difficult kind of Feeling like you belong because there's that culture clash and there's like I mentioned the assimilation thing and um, just not feeling like you uh, belong. But um, here we are now, and you know I would I would like to think that my parents are proud of themselves. I'm certainly proud of them for all that they've accomplished um, and and the fact that that they uh, were brave enough to do that. You know and haven't seen their their home land since really uh is what has given me the opportunity to pursue higher education and go on to do other things so yeah that's 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 pretty much the story on that um i know it's probably similar yeah. to a lot of um people in this area given in the central valley you know there's a lot of campesinos um there's a, a deep story in history mm-hmm. there so yeah that was kind of um my upbringing lot of farms yeah
0: yeah so did you grow up on those farms or did you grow up just like around you know I I lived in the bay area for a couple years but I'm gonna be honest I don't know much about that area like Watsonville and Santa Cruz and all of that so give us a little Mm -hmm. taste of like your upbringing and and talk us through like how your experience was being raised in in these areas
2: yeah so there's definitely a deep history to like um this the the campesino embracero and all of that um because yeah. this area this the soil is, is so rich there's a lot of different crops that grow really well here watsonville is known for its strawberries um like the strawberry capital so um there's just a lot of uh of really rich culture so um growing up when i was really little i just remember like going to work with my dad um, and helping out, you know, just not too seriously, but helping out as much as I could at that time, like picking whatever yeah. crops. And that was a really cool experience um, to to just have that because it kind of also sparked in me, like the love for learning. Cause I just remember I would like take my little books and I would hang out with my dad um, and my siblings. And, and it was like a really peaceful, nice you know way to live and I think now being like more hustle and bustle and go 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 I kind of reflect on that and I'm really glad that I had those those few years that um, helped me like really be in touch with nature and the earth and like really shaped my my values
0: yeah and then how so let's let's kind of transition into your story because you are a first gen student, right? You went into Mm -hmm. higher education. So talk about those experiences and we can kind of navigate into where you are now. But yeah, let's talk about that first gen experience.
2: Yeah, so I remember like being in my junior, senior, junior year really of high school and like applying to colleges. I went to this college tour that took us around Southern California. And at the time, college really, even though I was on those tours seemed so unattainable and like so far away like it seemed like a world that just i had no idea about but somehow everybody around me was like oh you have to go to college like you have to go to college you know like that it was just Mm -hmm. expected by teachers counselors and and other people and of course my parents they said you know you should pursue education we support you but i didn't really have anybody around me that knew what it was like, that knew what it entailed, that could really guide me through that. So I had to do the best that I can with the resources through school and stuff. But it was actually my mom who ended up finding out about this one scholarship um, through the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and the Hispanic Scholarship Fund. And so she was like, just apply, you know? So I spent an entire winter break applying to this scholarship and applying to other scholarships, like like it was my full-time job, I was applying to scholarships. <laughs> like, it was while my friends and other people were just like, you know, going out, having fun. I really was like, okay, if I'm serious about this whole college thing, like I need to do this. So yeah. fortunately I, I was able to receive scholarships and that's how I got to go to college. But once I got there, man even the fact that like my tuition and all that was covered i was not prepared i was not ready for what it would be like i i went to la from the you know like the small area that i'm from and it was just like whoa like shocked in in (laughs) so many ways i was like what the hell am i doing here like it was a lot you know my my mental health as well as my physical health started to suffer Um, I, I mean, and I know a lot of students, first gen students go through that. And like, we feel shame because, you know, we got this far, it's like, we just have to push through, but I had to stop. I had to take a break for my, my physical and mental health, um, before I could go back and continue. And I think it's important to, to talk about that for anybody who might be feeling that way, especially right now with this whole pandemic and trying to do school, like, It gets really difficult. (laughs) But yeah, I don't know if if you had any similar experiences with, you know, being in San Diego. But man, I just felt like a fish out of water. Like...
0: (laughs) Girl, I so it's so funny. I always talk about this, but my brother was the first to go to college. My brother and I are the are the babies in the family <laughs> and yeah. all of our rest of their siblings are undocumented or were undocumented at the time. And so we were the only two who like realized like, oh, we have an opportunity to go to college and our, you know, our family really didn't. And so he was the first to go to San Jose State. And because he meant that, I had no idea where else to go. I was like, well, I'm just going to follow wherever my brother goes. <laughs> so I went to San Jose State, too. And even like, it's so funny because that was my first choice because I'm like, well, I got family there because I have my brother. And I also I have no one else here has been to a four university ex- except for my brother. So I would be the second. And so I was yeah. really proud that was my first choice and everyone was like, "Oh, I remember going to San Jose State." And everyone was like, "This is my last choice. I didn't want to go here." I was like, "Really?" And I was so happy to be there. But I it's interesting because my brother although I had family in San Jose and he went to San Jose State, he had already graduated by the time I was a freshman and it's so funny because I, you would you would assume that like he would teach me all the ropes and how to navigate college. But he mm-hmm. like at the time, I hated him for this. But now I'm like so appreciative that he did it. But at the time, he was like, I he's like, you have to be independent. He's like, you have to figure this out on your own. And I was like, why would you do that? Like, I'm your little sister. <laughs> but he's, he knew he was like, this is going to teach you so much. He's like, it taught me. He's like, you need to have the same experience. So he like and I got real homesick. I was in bed for like, weeks, I was literally like physically sick, like same as you, Mm -hmm. I was just so depressed. I was like, I don't, what am I doing here? I felt like I didn't belong there. I felt like so out of my element. I was like, maybe I just like, did this too soon. And I was 17 at the time I was 17. So it just was a lot. I was just like, I don't know if I could do this. And I really just questioned myself, but I didn't want to fail. And that's when that's part of the what what has been instilled in me and my family like we always are just we keep going and that can be a very positive thing but also a very negative thing and at the time that was just that was my mentality like well i'm gonna just Mm -hmm. keep pushing through this and i and i did and i'm I'm grateful i did and i had to go through my own motions every year (laughs) right but i i totally a hundred percent understand you
2: well thank you thank you for sharing that with me but yeah it's um looking back on it, I feel like I, I still get this like weird feeling of like, oh, I'm taken back to that place. But like you mentioned, I am glad for, for some of the experiences. Um, and I also, I also felt that same way of the, the, the fear of, of failing, of failure, of just like going back home and, or, and not having, you know, accomplished what I set out to do but I can look back on it and 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 learn from it you know but just when you're in it it's difficult to to see your way out of it
0: oh it's so hard <laughs> you know like you were talking about your physical health too and how it suffered i didn't you know now that i i looked at this like after i graduated cuz i was like oh that was actually a problem but my freshman year mm-hmm. everyone was talking about the freshman 15 i lost so much weight and i was like like not healthy <laughs> i was oh my just God. like same <laughs> Okay. Yeah. I was like, I did not gain those 15 pounds. I like lost like yes. probably like 30. Like I lost so no, much weight because I was just so depressed. <laughs> I didn't want to do anything. Me
2: too. I had, well, for me, it was like, I just started getting into unhealthy habits and like just being stressed out and like using working mm-hmm. out uh, too much, you know, but also not eating the right things to like fuel my body appropriately so um, yeah. yeah, I also lost a lot of weight that first year. I came back and was like, girl, where did you go?
0: Yeah. My family were just like, what happened to you? <laughs> like, yeah. oh. And I told I told my mom, I was like, Oh mommy, es gay, you know, la comida, yeah, it's not the same. <laughs> I just made yeah. up something. <laughs> well, that was kind of true too at the same time. I was like, I just miss home homemade food. But no, it's it's very interesting. And I'm glad that you brought that up. Did you end up taking that break that like mental health break?
2: Yeah, well, actually, I mean, I ended up actually, I got hospitalized because oh, I collapsed. Wow. Yeah, I was just pushing myself at, to the point where I collapsed. Um, and I, I had my doctor and I, I came back home she was like, you have to stop like, you need to take a break, you need to recover your body is telling you like I had other things underlying conditions going on as well. So it was like, you have to do this or else like you might not make it kind of thing. So for me, I wow. had been used to my whole life being like, go, 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 you know, like high achieving, like always pushing myself. So being forced to do that or feeling at the time like I was forced to, to take a break was really hard for me, not only because I felt the shame of like, well, I had to stop or maybe I wasn't strong enough, you know, but also just physically was really taxing as well. So yeah, that's, that's what, what happened to me. And I think, um, I, I hadn't been too comfortable talking about that openly, but I mean, my whole purpose now is really sharing about my experiences as a first gen student and like, not just the good and, you know, the cute, but also like the difficult and the hard parts so
0: yeah I think that narrative needs to be told more because I think if I were you know looking back to myself as a student if I would have heard those narratives early (laughs) I think I would have been able to navigate it a a little better and again I'm thankful for those experiences and I I still have this like oh Patrick my brother (laughs) but I also am grateful that he gave me that sense of independence that he knew I could only get by really experiencing this on my own and Mm -hmm. not always depending right on people. And he was still there, you know, it's not like he disappeared. He was still there if I needed him, if I begged him to just hang out with me. (laughs) (laughs) But I, yeah, I, I agree with you. That first gen narrative really does need to be told because I can't imagine again, like you said, right now, how students are managing Oh my like, gosh.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and in
0: the midst of a pandemic, I'm just I'm blown away. And I, yeah, I don't even know. <laughs> I don't even know what to say about that. I I talked to a couple college students here and there cuz I do workshops with them and like sometimes it's so hard. I'm like, "Oh my god, like I don't even know what you're going through right now." I'm just like
2: taken back by how challenging it is and how um you know, how hard they're working to get through the challenges. But um, I do think, yeah, so I, I, I can relate as a PhD student right now. It's actually the hardest, you know, academically and rigorously that, that I've ever had to um, undertake, but still, I think it's different for me because I've gone through the undergraduate and the graduate system. So I understand a little bit more about how to navigate certain things, but I can't imagine, like, a 17-year-old me going to college for the first time. Like, I definitely would not be having the same experience I'm having now.
0: Yeah. Well, talk about college, though, because you are literally in higher ed. You're killing it, girl. (laughs) (laughs) And you are a badass young Latina. And I think seeing that as an example of someone going into higher education and getting her master's, like, working toward her PhD, like, that's really powerful. And I hope you know that, too. Like, I hope you, like, take time to just, like, recognize yourself and give yourself some flowers and celebrate yourself. <laughs> but that's amazing. So talk about that experience. What inspired Because you? you we left off on your your doctor saying what what he or she said. And yeah. and then it's like you took a break and now you're getting your Ph.D. So what's what's the story <laughs> in the middle? <laughs>
2: Yes, I so I took a break, a much needed break. I went back and I finished my undergrad. I finished that strong, so I did it in marketing. Um, did some internships, got some work experience, and then I just gravitated towards tech. You know, being in the Bay Area, I was like, I really want to break into the tech industry. So I started looking into programs. I ended up um, doing my master's in information systems, um, which was a really cool experience, and you know, after that, I was like, okay, but I know that I've always known that I wanted to go into higher education. Um, And given that my scholarship gives me the opportunity to pursue my PhD, I was like, well, I already have like the business side, and I have the tech side. But I do really want to do more and make an impact in higher education to help first gen students and Latinas and and anybody who kind of had any similar experience to what I had. So that's what really motivated me to be like, okay, like you need to, you need to pursue your PhD, you need to get your doctorate and do research that can really push um, the community forward. So that's my goal, what I'm working towards right now. Um, so I'm at Claremont Graduate, that's a part of the Claremont Colleges in Southern California. Um, and I just started this fall so, you know, I oh, just started. I just started. Yes. So oh, this is congrats, my first, girl. <laughs> thank you. This is my first semester. And it's like amidst all this madness that's happening right now. Um, so I don't have the traditional first semester PhD student experience. Um, but, you know, I'm trying yeah. to take it day by day and still be really grateful and remind myself like, where I started and where I am now and how much more I I still have to grow, so,
0: yeah. Yeah, oh my gosh, and what advice, I'm just curious, I'm totally (laughs) segueing into something different, but what's your advice for other Latinas, and I'm sure you have tons of this, but what's Mm -hmm. your advice for other Latinas who want to pursue higher education or maybe are, and this is a two-part question, or maybe are in, like, education right now and are trying to navigate (laughs) pandemic, politics school like all
2: the things i would definitely say the one thing that i needed so that i advocate for is reaching out to somebody who can help you not even just with like school you know because school in in your academics is one thing but with all the other things that there's not really a roadmap for so like i always looked to um like, there was one counselor in particular that really helped me through, um, you know, like in high school. But in college, I didn't really have that. So, just being vocal about needing help, I think, is advice that I would give. So, I always encourage people to reach out to me, to reach out to other people. I know there's a lot of, you know, really great people in the like Latinas, Latinos in STEM community online. Um, but reaching out to those people and developing relationships with them, like mentor, mentee, or even just casual like friends, like, you know, I, I'm I'm really having trouble with this. Like, can you share your experience? Um, and that's really powerful and it's really helpful. So I would say for anybody that is interested, reaching out to somebody to to get to know, like, what was their roadmap? How did they get to where they are? Um, and then similar for for those who are already in education, um, I get emails, you know, a few times a day from from young women, especially who are like, you know, I'm having trouble navigating this part of the university experience, or I'm looking into these programs, or can you look over my resume, you know. So I always try to make time for those things because I recognize how important that is and how um, it's like that social capital um, and cultural capital you know, that it's it's always my goal to bring help bring somebody up with me. You know, I never want to think so highly of myself. It's like, Oh, I don't have 10 minutes to help somebody else. Like, I will, I'll make those yeah. 10 minutes happen.
0: <laughs> yeah, oh, snaps to that, girl. <laughs> well, that's a perfect segue into our cafecito and chisme portion. Because Yay. that we can we can talk about what you're up to now. I mean, I hope you have some cafecito with you. I have mine. I do. Uh,
2: I do. You do. It's in my little <laughs> Latinos and STEM mug that I have with me. Oh, yeah. I love it. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> well, I I want to know what you're up to now, and I kind of talked about this at the beginning, but Latina Powerpuff, like that's how I know you, and I just want to <laughs> say, you. I keep saying badass because that's the one thing I think about when I think of you like badass because you are like, you remind me so Thank much you. of like the Powerpuff, like girly, but you're also like, it seems like you have this edge. <laughs> Seems like you yeah. have this edge to you because of your like. I see your tattoos, your sleeves, and they're beautiful. By the way, like you're inspiring you. me to actually go and get mine. But I'm not <laughs> trying to get a sleeve. I'm just trying to get like one tattoo. <laughs> but mm-hmm. it's like you you have this girly side to you, but you're also like edgy. But you're also hella intelligent. Like there's so many beautiful complexities, and I love that you are representing your your latinidad So it's so out there. It's part of your brand. And I love that you're doing that because you're not fitting into a stereotype, but you are your person. And I think that's going to mm-hmm. inspire a lot of other Latinas to own their own complexities and their own identities for what it is and not try to fit into these little pockets or stereotypes. So wanted to give you a little shout out and gas you up. <laughs> Thank
2: you. Oh, my God. What a way to start my morning. <laughs> You're like, yes, you, you better brag about
0: this too. You're like, own this, own this. Um, But yes, I want to jump into our conversation and chisme. And I want to know a little bit more about what you're doing now. So let's talk about Latina Powerpuff and your brand and what it is and what it represents and what your okay. mission with
2: it is. Yeah, so Latina Powerpuff um, is my blog, my online store, and just the name associated with everything that I do online. So, it's really about sharing my story, sharing a lot of resources, sharing tips for um, not just the Latino community, but um, you know, women. I have a lot of different groups that I try to focus different resources for. Um, so, that's really my passion project. And unfortunately, because of how much, how demanding my doctoral studies are right now, I haven't been able to give it as much attention as I was previously, but I still, that's like, you know, the, the, um, I don't really want to call it a side hustle because it's not even like about the money for me for that. It really is about like making connections, um, and helping people make connections in their career, you know, sharing my story. So, um, yeah, it's your brand.
0: It's your brand, girl. It's
2: my brand. Yeah. So the mission of that is really to help, um, women and latinas feel less alone whether it's in the corporate world or in academia because i had a lot of experiences where um my being latina i was the only one and then on top of that it's like i have these tattoos and it's like i i have all this you know it was like i was just it was like trying to what's that phrase trying to fit fit a peg in a I don't know. Anyways, it, I didn't, I wasn't fitting in. <laughs> I'm not the
0: person to ask about those phrases. I'm so bad I, at them.
2: <laughs> I'm, so I'm the worst. I, you know, and especially with like my mom growing up, she would try to learn English and, and she would say them wrong. So then I would learn them wrong. And then yes. I would, be, I would yes. say it at school. Oh and God. they'd be like, girl, what are you talking about? Anyway, no, it's so funny because like twice a day yes oh
0: my god it's a struggle it's for real a struggle I'm like I, I say these phrases wrong so I just stop saying that I'm like I just I don't know and the other day at work this is funny because you're talking about kind of trying to fit into the corporate setting but the other day at work they say they say these phrases all the time like these like metaphors and stuff and I'm like I have no idea what they're talking about <laughs> and I would like dm one of my colleagues who like we both don't understand but I'm like do you, did you know what that meant and she's like no I googled it though <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) like I I talked about it but someone was like at work someone was like oh it's like fog in a mirror and I was like "Uh, what does that mean
2: (laughs) Uh uh-huh or I've also had the experiences like thinking back to my early corporate days when I would try to like bring in my phrase and like translate it from Spanish or translate it from like my childhood and it would not land well and I'd be like well you know it's it's better you know in Spanish but the gist of it is and then I would say this but yeah, so I mean, it's like embarrassing, <laughs> you know, but it's also um, fun and beautiful. And like, you know, it makes me who I yeah. am. So makes you who you are.
0: Yeah. to <laughs> Yeah, first gen, first gen love. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, talk about, I mean, I, I'm sure that your passion for STEM really began with your education. But where, where did that passion come from? Like what inspired you to create your brand? And I think you're kind of touching on it a little bit right now saying, mm-hmm. you know, you were trying to fit into these settings and and being the only Latina or having all these tattoos, right? So
2: yeah, talk about was,
0: where that passion really came from.
2: I was trying to fit into these settings and these systems that obviously are not designed for people of color, are not designed for women, you know? So it was mm-hmm. really like my rebellion <laughs> against like, corporate america and like a lot of these systems of power and oppression um not to get like too deep into all of that but it was really like girl you can totally
0: get deep (laughs) of
2: (laughs) of expressing my like individuality and just being like you know i know that i have to. we have to sometimes work within these systems um but that doesn't mean that you can't critique them and you can't call them out you know like uh um what i try to talk about um in my stories and stuff even with the uprisings that that are happening right now like it's it's that needs to be normalized like having these conversations even in corporate settings i was always looking for that looking for ways to bring more awareness because i was in the field of corporate responsibility uh for for a while and so what that means is like companies trying to you know do good work like when they give out money for scholarships, for example, for STEM. Like I was doing a lot of that work, but I found that it was really just at like a, 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 at like a basic level. It wasn't really getting too deep into like these systemic issues because a lot of the people around me, it, despite being college educated and whatever, like weren't understanding the root of these systems and these issues. So it was like when you don't have that understanding and when it's not normalized to talk about these things openly and freely in the corporate environment, then how can we really start to solve these big complex issues like the lack of diversity in STEM, the lack of, you know, the, the pay gap? It was Latina um, you know, wait the wage gap. So just a lot of these things I was really frustrated with the way that it was like a cookie cutter approach to everything. I was like, okay, I need to just like do my own thing, you know, and so I was I started getting more and more passionate about STEM um, throughout my career, because I was doing a lot of different projects, I always gravitated towards like, the girls who code and like built by girls and a lot of these really great organizations. But I was like, somehow, we're, we're you know, Silicon Valley and corporate America, we keep throwing money at this problem, but we're not doing it carefully or thoughtfully enough, yeah. you know, to yeah. really solve oh my it. God. Yeah. To really solve it. Yeah. To really start making like systemic changes. So that's kind of long story short. Here I am now trying to do research in this very area to tackle that problem.
0: Girl, what you said is so it's so accurate, like people just throw money at it.
2: Mm -hmm. And they're like,
0: yeah, I mean, we're, we're working toward it. We're throwing money. And it's just like, no, yeah, it's
2: like, they made a post about it and here you go. Like problem solved. Yes.
0: Like, yes. Problem not it's, solved.
2: <laughs> like problem
0: not solved. And I think that's what, that's one of the things, and this is my, my opinion is that we, in our society, we know how to put band-aids over things, you know, mm-hmm. everything from gentrification to just throwing money at these issues. Like we, we think that's the best way to do it. (laughs) It's like, let's just throw a bandaid on there. The problem has gone. It's like, mm, no, gentrification doesn't make anything better. And no, throwing money at something like Black Lives Matter isn't going to solve the issue. And so I I, I struggle with it all the time. And it's so tiring to be in these spaces where you're constantly advocating and they don't get it. and it's like you have to educate them on the struggle and then you have Mm -hmm. to like advocate for what the solution is and you have to figure it out and it's like you're the only person there so it's not fair it's like so many things connected
2: (laughs) it is so many things and it's so unfair and it's really exploitative of like companies in particular so it's uh, my big thing was just trying to get you know corporations particularly in the tech industry to understand that like what you are doing is contributing to the problem. Like you are the problem sis, you know, it's not like, (laughs) you have to look internally, like, how are you? What are your hiring practices? Like, what are you paying people? You know, are you only recruiting from these three schools that, you know, don't historically uh, offer a lot of opportunities for underrepresented people? And it's like, oh, hadn't really thought of that. And it's like, well, maybe you should.
0: Oh my goodness, girl, so accurate. I am. I'm, I'm having these like flashbacks to meetings when, when it, it was really heavy. You know, with George Floyd happening and all of that. I was in these meetings at organizations that I'm a part of, and that was the conversation. Like, how do we address this? And it's like, well, let's look at your intention. What are you trying to solve? Are you just trying to show your mm-hmm. brand and show that it's relevant? <laughs> or are you actually yes. Try, yes performative allyship or do you really want to be an advocate and if so what can we do in our space to really do that to really make to really like make a solution that is going to be long lasting that is going to be systemic that does help marginalized communities and i think mm-hmm. when when all of this was happening i felt for a lot of my my colleagues my friends who were in dni specific roles that were just dealing with so much like bs like to be real it's a lot of bullshit and what we saw a lot and i think there's that that's that like hate toward corporate is still kind of there in a lot of people but it's like all these performative things oh we're gonna post we are we are standing by them yet they don't have anyone of color in leadership
2: and it's like sometimes i um people reach out to me from you know for like some consulting or just different things just to get my thoughts on things. Not that I'm an authority yeah. by any means necessary. It's like, I'm still learning as well, but um, yeah. you that, can still that, be both.
0: You can still yeah. learn and be an authority.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you bring up a great point because it's like, are what are your intentions behind this? And are you really ready to put your, your skin out there and put your like mm-hmm. money where your mouth is type of thing? Like a lot of um, a lot of people were like, oh, okay, well, I'm, we're comfortable up to this point, and it's like, okay, well, even just acknowledging your privilege of where you get to say like what you're comfortable with, it's like, you yeah. know, people people on the street getting you know killed by police, and th- like they don't get to choose their comfort comfortability level. So it's like, what are we even talking about, you know, like just. Mm-hmm just trying to set that tone of like are you really understanding this undertaking that you want to just throw money on and like put a a statement on your website like that's good and that's cute (laughs) that you want to have a statement on your website that's like aesthetically pleasing but do you really mean it because if not then it's like you're just you're just muddying up what the real work that's happening so it's like these spaces and these systems were like actually and literally not built for us and we are reminded of that every single day so when people at work would ask me and be like why are you so frustrated why are you like upset and it's like are you kidding me you know but um (laughs) yeah you're like let me tell you bring out a list (laughs) but yeah like right now I'm currently doing research into the history of women in science um in america since the early 1900s so it's it's really interesting but also really sad and just it makes me angry that you know um we still still see remnants of all of all of this history like to this day so to not acknowledge our history um we would just be remiss to do that so
0: yeah and that's why i'm so passionate about recording these stories right and having them be Everlasting, like you know, like there's so much power in in recording and and saving and archiving our stories and our first-gen mm-hmm. stories, our, our Latinx stories, or you know our narratives wherever however we identify, wherever we come from. But these communities that are often underrepresented, we there needs to be more spaces for us to just have our stories live on, and that's why I'm really passionate about. How are how are some ways where I can do that on my end? Well
2: you're <laughs> and doing that, so.
0: that. I love Thank right. You. And I mean again, it's like everyone and it's it's really beautiful every every episode that I have, everyone's doing that same work in their own ways, whether it's mm-hmm. STEM, whether it's I wanna represent you know, and and fill the pipeline in tech um, for more diverse candidates, or whatever each person in, in these episodes and my community and our community, whatever they're working on, everyone's trying to make moves to represent, to bring more people, more of our community, in these spaces. And to me, like that's the beautiful thing. I'm like, we're all we're all out here. We're we're doing work. We're doing the hard
2: mm-hmm. work. We are out <laughs> here. Like,
0: yeah, we're out here. <laughs> <laughs> And so no it's really beautiful but girl you are out there I'm I'm like really I've been seeing so much of your work and and to be so passionate and advocate for for women for women of color for latinas in STEM in STEM education like that's really powerful and for you to even be studying that in higher ed I'm like snaps <laughs>
2: Thank you. Yeah, hopefully one day I can have this. Like, I want to get into archiving and do, and you know other things, but it's like preserving. Well, first of all, discovering and categorizing the story of like Latinas in STEM. Um, that's one yeah. of like the areas that I want to go into, but also capturing like the stories of and the work that's being done now. Similarly to the point that you were bringing up, like that is so important. Um, for future generations. So yeah,
0: what, what, what are the numbers? If you know of Latinas in STEM?
2: Yeah. It's 2% is a big statistic that gets thrown around. Yeah. It's particularly in computing and engineering fields. It's like less than 2% um, of the field. So you can only imagine being one of those women and walking into a company or a meeting and looking around and it's like you don't see yourself you don't see that like your company values your perspective because you look at leadership and you look at you know what gets celebrated and it's like it's not you you know so um but we are out here and there you know we're trying to band together online and really show like we're here and how can we make a collective um impact but yeah it's it's that two percent so that's what really is at the core of the research that I'm trying to do right now as well is figuring out what are the, the barriers for Latinas specifically towards higher education and STEM education um, and and how can we get rid of them? How can we tear them down or start to at least?
0: Yeah, do you know what some of
2: those barriers are? Yeah, I mean, a lot of it is like, you know, very layered and difficult to examine um, like in silos, but it's definitely like, you know, language um, gaps for like parents, um, socioeconomic status, the fact that a lot of us are first generation and we don't have anybody to help us navigate. The fact that we have to take on a lot of responsibility financial and stuff with our families. It's like, you know, it's part of our culture, which is beautiful, but you know, it also is a big, plays plays a role into um why it's it's difficult for us to get into higher education um it's just like our responsibilities that we take on and the fact that we're you know as women we don't get paid the same throughout the the way it's like we don't have the option of taking a lot of us i sure didn't yeah. of taking like an unpaid internship you know for experience where it's like Girl. a lot of you know, networking. I couldn't do that. I was like, who who does those
0: unpaid ones?
2: (laughs) Right. And it wasn't until later in life where I was like, that is really designed to just uphold like the system that we have now. And it was like, you know, I had this whole moment, but at, at the time it was like, no, I need to go work a summer job, you know, and help my family out. And, and it's like, Just so many things. It's so it's such complex problems. But um, I think Mm -hmm. the fact that there's now more Latinas in higher education examining these problems through our own experiences as a backdrop is what's really important because we we get it and we bring that to our work, you know, so it's not like, you know, people who are super removed from the experiences doing this research. It's like it's us and it's it's my life, it's my hopefully will be my life's work. So I bring that with me yeah. every day. I try to.
0: Oh girl, that's so beautiful. And you're so <laughs> right. I mean, it, there's so many barriers that I was even thinking about of Latinas in general. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so yeah, it makes sense why those barriers are still constant in these different spaces whether it's STEM or or just higher education, but I'm glad that you're making moves toward toward, you know, removing those barriers and at least tearing them down and creating more, a more equitable space for us. Mm -hmm. Um, Because that's what, you know, I had this conversation, I'll share this with you, but I had this conversation with my mom and she, she kind of opened up about like, she's like, I'm 61 years old, but like, I want to study. She's like, I want to, I want to like do all the things that I wasn't able to do because my mom has been a mom since she was 19 years old doesn't know English, mm-hmm. doesn't know the language, you know, like, she's been a housewife, uh, a mother, like a, a full Latina mother. And in, in, like you said, our cultural definition mm-hmm. of what a woman is. <laughs> like, she has embodied all of those things. And now she's like, I want to study, like, I want to do something. And I'm like, go for it, like, do it, you I know, and like, let me know how I can awesome. help you. Yeah, right. I was like, actually, it's so the-
2: interesting the- that you bring that up. Go ahead.
0: Oh no 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 go go go.
2: <laughs> I was just gonna say because my mom actually was telling me the same things. It's like I got her this little like laptop Ooh. that she's taking um like online courses in Spanish. Um so
0: so she's doing
2: that, you know, it's like she she sorry i'm
0: gonna send them to my mom i said what courses are they i'm gonna send them to my mom
2: <laughs> oh i'll have her send me the list and then i can forward them to you it's like one's like a nutrition class one's like child development it's like she's always all these things that she that. wanted to do in her life you know i feel like now is the time for yeah. her that where all of us were grown up you know so that story that you share about your mom really touches me too because i think when when we uplift latinas and women in general like we uplift entire communities so definitely mm-hmm. i support women um, at any stage in their life um, wanting to pursue education in whatever capacity is right for them and so i think yeah. that's just beautiful
0: yeah and and one of the things that i love about our community is that we're so intelligent like the intelligence is so innate in all of us because one, we've had to be resourceful our whole lives. Like, I can't think mm-hmm. of more creative people in my life than my parents and my family. <laughs> like, just the creativity yes. that that they've, and yeah, I, I was, was going to say, like, I'm sure you feel the same way about your family, but my my family, I think our cultura, our immigrant culture, they're so resourceful, they're so intelligent, so creative. They just haven't had those opportunities to go to school, to pursue these different spaces that we've been able to, to navigate. And I think that's what comes with that first gen pressure is that we don't, we're not going there just for us. Like we are coming Mm -hmm. with our families, you know, we, we carry, it's not even a burden. We just carry all of our families with us on our backs because we're doing it not just for us, but for our entire community. And that's the heavy part. (laughs) That's where that pressure really, really lies. And so I wanted to point that out because the intelligence in our families are there and I'm so proud of women like your mother and my mom like being able to at an older age say I want to study and it's Mm -hmm. like snaps to you mom like come on mommy let's do it (laughs) (laughs) like let's do it but again it's it's really like admiring our community and our immigrant culture for that grind that hustle but also just the the all the beautiful things that they have and that they taught us and what made us be able to navigate college and career and and education and all those different spaces right
2: Mm -hmm. Snaps to that
0: yeah well with that (laughs) how can people (laughs) connect with you if they want to connect with you if they want to learn more about your brand what you do and follow your journey what's the best way to connect with you
2: Yes, the best way to connect with me is just to follow me on all my social medias. I'm at Latina Powerpuff. Or um, if you have a specific question about school, um, email me at Powerpuff at gmail.com. Um, you know, mentorship or anything that anybody out there might be interested in. Um, I'll definitely get back to you, so. Yes. Thank you. Okay,
0: and the last thing, oh, of course, thank you girl for coming <laughs> on and dropping some knowledge on us. <laughs> but let's do a little closing. This is my favorite part. We're going to do a little for okay. cafecito rebranding. Hello. What's up?
1: <laughs> yes, um so we clean. have our little
0: cafecito here. Yes, and I want to do a virtual cheers with you and I want to give you a chance to to one, say what we're going to cheers to, but also give you an opportunity to manifest some good for our our community, our Latinx community, our Latina community, Latinos, you know, um, having a chance to, to manifest some good. So what do you want to cheers to and what do you want to manifest?
2: Well, I think I want to cheers to breaking down barriers, number one. And what do I want to manifest? Um, hmm. That's a really good one. I think given the time that we're at right now, um, I want to manifest safety for our people, first and foremost, for the community at large. Um, But also hope that, you know, we're going to be okay. So with that, um, I think those are my things.
0: (laughs) Yeah, cheers, girl. Salud. Salud. Gracias a todos ustedes. Thank you all so much for tuning in, for being loyal, for being day ones, for being new to this podcast if you're new, and for listening to Mena's story. For every first gen or every Latina attending higher education or for anyone who has questions for Latina Powerpuff, go to latinapowerpuff.com. Check out Jimena's blog and online store. And if you want to connect directly with Jimena, follow her at Powerpuff on Instagram and Twitter and find her on LinkedIn. And see y'all next week for more cafecito and chisme, more Hello Latino love. And let's connect in the meantime. Connect with me on Instagram at ojasmine with four A's, Twitter at olovesjasmine. And find me on LinkedIn. And if you want to check out my website, which is currently under construction, go to OdalisJasmine.com. Con mucho amor, familia hondureña.
1: Mi gente, what's up? This is Chris Gates. I had the pleasure of being Odalis' guest in the Cuba Through My Eyes episode of this amazing podcast. Today, I want to invite you to a free month's membership to my startup, RiseOn. Founded by two first-gen Latinos, RiseOn is like taking a Zumba class for your mental and emotional health. Our mission is to build humans from the inside out, and we help first-gen folks just like you to grow and to heal. So whether you're struggling with life's challenges or just thirsty for a community to help you grow, RiseOn is for you. Every week, we create a space for mindful introspection in community. That's what you get when you mix mindfulness, journaling, coaching, and vulnerable conversations. It's a space to be seen authentically, to develop self-awareness and build inner skills alongside a group of inspiring peers. Our goal is to help you to tap into your own power consistently, to find perspective, clarity, and direction anytime you need it. Over the past two years, we've designed hundreds of experiences for our clients to do just this. These are entrepreneurs and young professionals who trace their roots to some 20 countries. Folks who, despite being brilliantly talented and looking like they got it all together from the outside, are working through some real-life challenges. So join us. We'd like to invite every listener of this podcast to experience a Rise On membership for free for an entire month. That includes our weekly Rise On sessions, live and online, plus on-demand mindfulness content and daily community support. To activate your free month Rise On membership, visit www.riseon.life, that's R-I-S-O-N dot dot L-I-F-E, riseon.life. Mi gente, let's rise on.